I'm a Lambo person. Really? That's actually surprising to me. Because I, Lambo Lambo is more hot boy and Ferrari is feels more refined and I, I take it back. Italian. I'm actually probably more Porsche than I am Lambo anyway. I mean, you're a DeLorean person. Yeah, I am. <laughs> every time, every time Driving Well Awesome posts about a DeLorean, I always respond like, "Live in the dream, live in the dream." <laughs> Love um, those wide cars. Love <laughs> very wide. It's silverback like a gorilla. Uh, we body. have a card this week. How much really? does a DeLorean cost? Like, if you were going to get a, a like thirty drive, to fifty, a drivable DeLorean, a drivable DeLorean probably about thirty. What about with a Rivian engine in it so for if you? you? That's 50, your ultimate dream car. If you paid $50,000, you could get a, a reasonable DeLorean. If I play, what? $50,000, you could get a reasonable DeLorean. Yeah. So it's not like this completely out of reach no, thing. It's, it's a, not. It's an attainable it thing. It is. Oh. $50,000. They might have gone up. That used, to be, that used to be the rule of thumb. The rule of thumb was you're going to usually Welcome. spend about thirty k If you spend buy one for ten, it's going to need probably about fifteen of work. But- so it might have changed. So it's probably still around thirty to fifty. I mean, that seems great because that's about the price of a new car. Anything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a new whatever. Whatever you buy is like thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's okay. That you breezed over my rush hour quote and didn't correct me and say fifty million dollars. Hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Fifty million dollars. Think you kidnapped Chelsea? Hundred and fifty thousand. Nothing lasts forever, and everything grows and changes. But sometimes things can change that we don't want to. Things that we like, how they are, will become something else. Fads come and go. Traditions fade and even get lost to time. Like a haiku or something. <laughs> it's a straight poem over is here. Is coffee and the cafe culture the way it is now a forever thing? Question mark. How does it grow? Question mark. What is sacred? Question mark. Is it all just art? Question mark. Is it all just art? That, that <laughs> last one. What do you mean one- is it all just art? This does feel like you were sitting there in the rain somewhere. <laughs> like just like nothing's ever gonna be the same again. I I was thinking of artistry specifically and how in orientation we talk about, you know, artistry is one of our values. And so we want to think of everything as art. Mm. So is stuff in ca- is cafe culture Is cafe culture is, is cafe culture just is it just art? Is it all just is it always summation? gonna is it always gonna change or is the process the thing that's important? Mation I wanted Latin to get into dead? the idea of artistry in you know in cafe culture. Oh, that's a different question. That's a whole. This... But is these kind of lead into it? Like I kind of agree art... with Jared. I, I I feel like this is what happened. You had the best day of your entire life, the absolute best day ever and to cap off the best day you went for a drive you went up to the woods you found a nice spot to hike in started drizzling and raining and it was beautiful and in that moment when those first raindrops hit your face you realized that this was just one moment in time and it's ever going to be the same again and you can enjoy the sweetness of it but it's also depressing in its own way because it's never coming back you need to cultivate new moments. And never that's come the back. same moment they had when they ripped the arms off of that statue by Michelangelo, and now it's an armless statue. Still <laughs> famous. We're going back still to that art. <laughs> We're going back to that. I'm just saying that art still stands. People still go look at it and take pictures of it, and somehow, still beautiful. To My me, chair sinking no. Into the to people, yes. How do they get it? <laughs> you just don't appreciate people that don't have arms, dude. Dude, <laughs> pretty fucked up, man. 
I'm pretty messed up. I'm pretty pretty ableist, so I guess that's my problem. Jared will walk up to a guy with no arms and be like, like high five. Yeah, be like, what a loser. I wouldn't, guys, okay? <laughs> oh, that's the joke. Welcome to the team. Let me shake your hand. Wait. High five. <laughs> um, okay. Thinking about like traditions Rain, yeah. and cafe culture, it, think about like latte art. Like that is kind of cemented. That's always going to kind of be, you're always going to pour a rosetta the same way you pour a rosetta. So think about 10 years from now, how much of that is going to be the same versus are the trends going to change? Is, are, you know, is latte art going to be the same? Is the way the culture thinks about coffee going to be the same? Is that a tradition that you guys want to see held or are you guys open for it to change? Yeah, I think I'm open in general for a lot of things to change. Uh, by necessity, I don't think you can look at anything in too finite of a box. Yeah. I think that latte art as a concept is going to be here forever, but like you're going to see evolution. You're going to see machines doing different pours. You're going to see people doing pours. But there's going to be levels and layers to every single business practice that you have in the world. And so you can integrate whatever you want at whatever rate you want you know there's still places in the world that don't do latte art at all still in business and they make money so for me using latte art's not necessarily oh well i guess none of this in my opinion is like a hundred percent sacred when it comes to business being able to provide you could choose something sacred if you wanted to keep it really small and like uh, find a way to survive in a place with, that would support that. But you have to, if you're going to have coffee as a business, which is again maybe a different question than the overarching scheme, which is do you want to be at home, you know, like Chris does, and make it exactly how you want to make it all the time, and then you can do whatever you want, you know. Well, I think that's why I was asking because coffee is, you know, a big part of our business. Yeah, it's culinary. So how do we? It's culinary. Fully culinary. How do we? With a hard e. Looking. <laughs> how do we looking forward like how much of like if you were to look down the road 10 years from now 20 years from now what does the culture experience in cat inside cat and cloud look like oh Uh. another different question and how much of the artistry at the heart of it is going to be the same and how much Listen, I wrote this card two hours ago. Okay. <laughs> I mean, are you looking for specifics or I'm looking for a discussion. You're looking for just a general are conversation. We, uh, okay. Because I mean, 30, there might be minutes? a difference between what it looks like in Cat and Cloud versus what the coffee, coffee culture is doing. Because I would argue that there are there is no coffee culture. Hmm. The the social media and the way ideas spread now almost yeah. ensure that there is no one main line of culture. There are multiple different cultures held together by a lot of different threads. Like there's these mm. clumps that are connected in, in different areas, which is not just something that's unique to coffee. I think everything works like that now. You know, somebody asked me about skateboarding, you know, what's up with skate culture? I'm like, there is no skate culture. There's a million different little skate cultures. There's a hundred different right. subcultures, which is which is different than what it felt like in 1993 when there was you know, a very specific through line of skate culture and the industry were just this one thing, or you could point to it and say, that's skateboarding. There's little niches within yeah. that, but overall, if you, you know, picked up Thrasher, watched 411, 
you would have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the industry. But now everything's just so spread out. There's there's no one keeper of the culture. I mean, yeah. even if you're like that, and even at the time when we were competing, like competition companies at the time were most closely related to those that had cultural influence and specialty coffee. And nowadays, there are some, but you could actually be an amazing barista competitor that has nothing to do with translating to the culture of your company whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and even through competing in barista competitions back in the day, some of the ways that Chris and I would approach it would be even in speaking to that concept in and of itself. Like this culture of barista competitions is not reflective of what we're trying to do in our own companies. So we happen to be in coffee at a time where these two things worked in tandem. But yeah, they don't anymore. And they even kind of didn't then, you know? I mean, all these different individual competitions reflects very little on how the day-to-day operations of any company works and or even maybe feel. So yeah, you're right. It's a ton of different things. And I guess you have to specify what your is if you want to know it yeah but i think at the cat and cloud looks like it's a whole different question yeah because if i'm thinking about cat and cloud the core of what we stand for can be the same and the experience can be completely different like the experience can evolve with time and everything else can change like these core values like take something like hospitality yeah you know hospitality our version of hospitality, it doesn't really matter if we make lattes or make rice bowls or make pizza or make cocktails or anything. Like all of the individual specifics of what we do can change. Like coffee preparation could undergo this huge, I don't think it will, but it could theoretically undergo this huge thing where it's like the way we've been brewing coffee is not how we do it before. Espresso is completely different. We've actually been doing it all wrong. We have different machines and different this and different that, but that's not still that that's, really not going to change what our end goal is which is to delight people with these amazing experiences they're going to remember forever yeah i doubled down i mean we've we've talked about that concept from the beginning of the company's inception even down to the name not being cat and cloud coffee right is all going to be how can we live up and represent values a mission and create a company brand that'll allow us to do what we'd like to do to best deliver those concepts of our mission and values through whatever lens. And we felt like we were always able to, f- we wanted to leave the door open to be, uh, more? I don't want to say more though. Cause I feel like that's the more or, or multiple things. Other. Sure. Yeah. Diverse maybe is the way uh, to yeah, say that's, that for me. Yeah. That's a better word. You know, cause it's not, it's not like, it's not more than coffee. It's, even if we add the, the the restaurant concept to our breakfast service, it's not more than coffee. It's different. We're able. Oh, oh yeah, Charles is delivering. Dude. Thank you. Look at those oh, seasoned stone guy. fruits. Oh, appreciate wow. that. Hospitality. Hey. So yeah, Hospo Chuck. So yeah, I mean that's that's been that's actually been clear, and maybe it's been clear to sorry probably Charles, Chris, and myself, but maybe not clearly stated since the beginning, even though we've talked about it in passing over and over again. Is that we always set the door, keep the door open. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of why I was asking this was because coffee has gone through this change of it was a commodity 
then it turned into a craft and now it's kind of stepping like I see us stepping more into the hospitality realm where it's just like, yeah, yeah, we make amazing coffee, but we make amazing experiences that inspire people. Yeah. And at that point you could interchange. And I think I've always kind of said this, you could interchange coffee with any other thing. Right. And you get into the world where, Oh, you, we could open up a hot chicken sandwich place that, delivers the same hospitality and level of experience that we deliver in one of the cafes. Yeah. And so it's just thinking about the coffee specific side of it to where you you see all these alternatives that are popping up where it's like mud water, everyone else who is looking at the commodity aspect of of coffee and trying to replace it with something. But the hospitality side and when it comes to a business is still there, so it's just like is is there a world where the coffee side goes away or I don't well, know. You're kind of seeing also a reflection too of a couple of things. You're seeing a reflection of our personal values being portrayed in some capacity through our business, right? As we've evolved into it. And then you're seeing some strategy to that as well. You know, like if we specifically wanted to only uh be a successful monetary business through coffee we might approach it differently right yeah. but you're seeing a few things involved like and and there's gray and overlap but you know if you were to sort of break it down based on the things that chris talks about a lot right there's a lot of hospitality service relating to building uh individuals up and that kind of meets building individuals whatever in their their ability to share their gifts through this thing that we do and then also this respect and love of falling in love with your work and your craft which is kind of where it bleeds into my part too. And we both, he really appreciates experiences. I love the concept of building experiences. So we see ourselves like meeting in this place. Charles also loves to kind of between the two of us, like create space for people to live experiences out. Right. Yeah. He's talked about how sending people on origin to origin and trips in the past has been something he's um, really been proud of. So there's, you are experiencing our manifestation of values and perspective in a business. And I think it's worth a note, you know, that we could be totally successful and not deliver maybe the experience on the level that we'd be interested in or evolving experiences. Probably still be really, really successful. And there's a lot of companies out there that are, you know, Starbucks is probably being one of them. You know, I mean, there's probably even local brands here. that. How so? How is, how is Starbucks... Well, they're doing a repetitive coffee business, I mean, right? Like if a strategy yeah. was for us to crank, only crank, then there's things we could do, right? You can make sure that training takes only a day because everything is button push. And yeah. and that's there's I don't actually see a problem with that. I see how the necessity became true. They took on money and they're like, we have to get to this level and we have to do X plus Y. Well, and that's kind of gets into the artistry of it because thinking about this, you think of things that we do that, like we have a puck press that's sitting in here in the training lab because it came out of storage. Mm -hmm. And you think of all these ways where people are trying to automate this, automate the process to bring consistency. Yeah. Um, so how much of what we do now, the way we train things in our cafe as far from the coffee side, how much of that artistry can translate? Like, is the artistry the specific steps that we do now or the process of learning new steps and putting them into practice i think it's it's open i mean everything you do you can do it through this artistic lens so it's not about the 
it, like if you broke down making espresso, yeah, and you looked at how we did it now and thought about it from the point of view of I'm an artist, which means that I have to do this with intention. That means every little thing that I do matters and contributes to a solid quality whole. And you can see that when people are skimping on the little things. Because espresso is just a million little things all put together, right? If you fuck up your tamping, you might get a channel. Shot's not going to taste good. Um, Same thing with dosing, distribution, how you put the portafilter in the group head without slamming it around. Do you let it sit in there for a while? Or do you immediate insert and brew? You're serving it right away. It's all these little things. And you, you you break one of those, and it's not as good as it could be. But I think within those things... Not all of them have to be sacred. And if you decide that you want to remove one of them, let's say you take tamping out of the equation and you use a puck press, then you can just embrace the new process in the same way. Like you still have a bunch of steps to do because the you're not employed as a tamping machine, right? You're not a latte machine. If you want to get to the core, core, core of what, people are doing and this is where this is why i think a lot of third wave coffee isn't actually third wave coffee it's specialty coffee masquerading as third wave in the traditional sense so if we were going to sum up the waves yeah right let's say you already nailed the first one the first wave of coffee is coffee as a commodity it's something that you drink you don't think much about it it's fuel for your morning it comes in a can that lives on a grocery store shelf you buy it yeah i don't give a shit what it is folgers it's u-band it's whatever the second wave of coffee is the coming of the latte. Starbucks is the most shining example of a second wave coffee shop where it's you're not you're you're it's the specialty beverage, mm-hmm. right? Coffee with various amounts of milk, mochas, lattes, cappuccinos, all these things that weren't part of American culture, but now all of a sudden they are. But still the focus, the, the big distinction between second wave and third wave, even though the drink menu is about the same, is that third wave coffee isn't about the beverages. It's about the actual product of coffee and seeing coffee as this culinary thing. That coffee, each individual coffee is a special thing because it comes from a special place with a certain terroir. It's got varietals. It's, you know, it's, it's about three times as complex as something like wine is. You know, if you're talking about volatile, yeah. aromatic compounds, mm. wine's in the mid-200s, coffee's just over 800. So in terms of experience, what you can glean from it, that's what third wave coffee is all about, highlighting the coffee itself. But most of us who, you know, are lumped into this third wave category are really more second wave, where our business is mostly focused on making lattes, making cappuccinos, making mochas, making chais, where specialty beverage you know um dealers so back to the barista you know your job isn't to tamp your job isn't to insert and brew those are steps that you take but really your job is about taking this coffee this raw product that's been roasted and given to you and get delivering to someone in its ultimate expression dialing in is the work of the barista you know what i mean it's like optimizing these flavors which is why you know something like barista competition is so interesting to us because it gives you the opportunity to deep dive in these right. things that nuance you know, yeah this little nuance you get this hyper focus you're going through all these different coffees like what coffee is going to do this is breaking it apart like that's really the job of the barista is 
a taster. So it's like if you take away tamping, like I like tamping, but it's yeah. not like I'm going to be angry about it if the industry decides that we don't tamp anymore and we can still make delicious coffee with it because that's not the thing. Automated milk steamer. I like steaming milk because I want it a certain way, but again, I don't think any of these things are, you know, I'm agnostic to them. Uh, like I would actually like for us to do not us, but just as an industry, do what we say. It's like coffee's so much more advanced than it was ten or fifteen years ago. But the average espresso I get really isn't. You know, the average it's espresso is worse. Probably better, but the, I don't get as many good oh, I shots. Guess yeah. Average, I should on, say. Across, a, oh, actually, yeah. I should say like, yeah. you're right. We're both right because on I can get I an average espresso up more across places. The board. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like I, I can walk into X place downtown yeah. that has a La Marzocco and get a decent espresso. But you used to be able to go to certain places and know it was going to be one of the best you ever had. Absolutely amazing espresso, yeah. and that happens less often. Yeah, exactly. Now. Those places. So it's this shakeup where it's like, man, if we if we really want to be about it, we can take our art much more seriously than a lot of us do. Well, here's the I think where artistry has evolved and has become necessary and also and it's frustrating is that especially coffee, if you want to run it at the level that we're talking about, is kind of a slow food nation sort of thing. It's something you shouldn't have to crank like the best of us could crank a lot of it. And this is this is saying the best of us, right? Like the the NBA stars of coffee, the the professional coffee maker baristas that we were doing, could crank out a lot of coffee pretty fast. But like, there's a level of experience and time and effort that goes to getting people to that level, and monetarily, the businesses don't really reward that. So you would actually need to invest in serving less people for that level to remain consistent unless you start adjusting what it looks like to be an artist. And that's where you say yourself, in my opinion, how can I take this raw product and dial it in for a group of people to use and make sure that they don't, you know, they don't change that experience very much. So that the quality and flavor is up, up, up. And that's, I think the, what, uh, I would say what business has forced us to do, what consumerism has forced us to do to be able to stay in, between inflation and the need to crank out many things over. Some of that's good, some of that's frustrating, but that's, I think, where we see a huge dichotomy is you have the world expecting the same speed of service as a Starbucks or a Pete's or a Dunkin' or whatever, or anywhere, right? They expect that service level. We charge more, so if we're going to charge more, it better be fast because my time is money. And we're still getting to the place where more and more people understand and appreciate the quality across the board. So you go back to latte art and it's like, that's your moniker. It always has been the moniker moniker for people who don't understand. It's got latte art, especially coffee. It's going to be good. For us who have been in the industry for a long time, latte art actually is not an indicator of that. Latte art could very much be in a second wave oh, coffee yeah. shop. Yeah. But that's okay. I made you some really know. crappy coffee back in 2008. But you could pour good latte art. But I could pour some latte art yeah. on top of it. Well, so so yeah. I'd say that this is, this is where the strategy of artistry can come into play and it's still to the point of just the value of artistry plays a point a part to me. It's like if I was trying to play artist at Starbucks, I would find a way to level up everything and get it repeatable in one capacity as yeah. a system. And then the artistry would live in um, the expression and delivery in other places. You know, does the cup look a certain way? Is the vibe this, that, and the other? And you have to modify that. That's capitalism, baby. <laughs> baby, baby. Well, I think it's just knowing what you want to do, and then it's knowing what you want to do. Because I would love a slow food. You know, we talk about this all the time. I wish our business could support the space for us to do something exactly how we wanted to do it, but that space would require us to serve 
100 people a day yeah. compared to the 300 plus and the 300 plus is what we need to just pay rent and the people who work in the shop sort of give or take you know so that, those are always the things you have to deal with as a business owner and why it's a tough question to answer oh yeah i asked the question not ex like having an answer in mind it was more of a open-ended a tough I'm, question to discuss yeah yeah it's a, yeah. a great question to discuss because for me it, a couple different things when you were talking about the waves of coffee it was interesting to think how when you go into the third wave and people start looking at specialty coffee they go oh coffee is the art i need to dive deeper in coffee and that's the way i'm going to become better at this art at this craft Versus going the opposite way and going, it's actually the steps you take, which is the art. And then the coffee is, yeah, the coffee is going to get good, better. The coffee is going to get good the more you pay attention to these steps. I don't know. It was just an interesting way of like splitting the waves and going, oh, I have to pay more attention to coffee and like all the different things of like, where's it from? What's the terroir? Like, What's the process? How the process is really the processing method is really what makes it amazing. Or you dive into those things versus, oh no, just be consistent on your problem solving and your practices. And no matter, and that's the real skill to learn. That's where the art comes in. That was just my rough take on it this morning. So I was curious to see if you guys had anything that touched on that, which it sounds like you guys have. I don't know. Touching all. <laughs> yeah you lost me a little bit halfway through that that's one. fine i'm mostly with you i'm still in the rain in the forest <laughs> I'm mostly with you still just wishing yeah i mean it doesn't it's a, you don't want to be kodak exactly that's what you don't want you don't want to be kodak this is all we do and it's never going to change and we're not going to try to adapt yeah or or have something that's that's half of it the kodak's even worse where it's, they invented the thing that killed them. Yeah. yeah. And they just didn't pay attention to it. Kodak invented the digital camera. They invented it. They made digital cameras before anyone else. And were so stubborn and blind and grumpy that they couldn't see what they were actually doing, which isn't making film or making cameras. It's helping people capture memories. And if you look and say, like, how can we help people capture memories? Then a camera, whether it's digital, film, whatever, it's just another tool to help capture memories. And they're just like, we don't do that. We only want to do this. And now they're just a legacy brand who produces small amounts of film. They're a, they're a novelty. They turn They outsource their name. The, the biggest film company, camera company, they turn themselves into a novelty. For what? You know, because that's not the art that we do. It's just obnoxious. It's like, I get it. The annoying thing is, is a lot of people see it in the same way where it's this or that, but that's not how things are. It's you, they could have gone bullish on the digital camera and been today's Sony or Canon or Nikon in that market and still produce the film stocks right. that they produced. They didn't have to pick a path. They could have been the leader in everything. They could have been the leader in everything, but they saw it as this black and white, we only do this, and it's. I just don't ever want to get there, and I want to be able to compartmentalize the things for me that are really special, and I do not want to compromise on at all, 
it's great. I can take those in and I can turn them into hobbies and I can make them the way I want to make them and realize that that is different than Cat and Cloud and the business and the opportunity that we have here. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's why our mission isn't to produce the best cappuccinos that the world's ever seen at a rate of Sourcing two drinks a minute. The finest and most sustainable coffees in the world. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the like I think coffee's gonna be here forever, but what if it's not? What yeah. if it what if it goes away? You know? What if coffee turns into film and, and it that's... just turns into a super niche thing? What are we gonna do? Just say like, Yeah, it's been fun. Cool. Just gonna hang up our livelihood because we don't have anything to offer the world. That's lazy. Well, see, and that's where the, I think artistry for me lives in slight expansion to what you're talking. Not expansion, a different different approach, right? You're saying you can take those things that you hold super dear and bring them home and nail them, which is the way that I would have to do some things right now. And then there's the other side of me, which is like, or if we can provide an opportunity for this place to sustain itself, so that myself and the people that want to create this small niche thing in the future and it works, then we can still, it's the same, like for Kodak. I got a, gr- I got a great example of that. You Actually, know? I was talking to someone the other day and their wife is a wedding photographer. She yeah. does wedding photo and video and that pays the bills. She's really passionate about tintype photography, uh, which is badass. recently trending. Yeah, you, know, you see it yep. pop up more and more. But What's their name? I don't even know. Great. Called tin type person. Tin type wedding person. But it's a labor intensive process. Sure. You know, it's it's not something that you could do as a viable business model. But no, she's found this cool, happy medium yeah. to where instead of just making that for herself, when you buy a wedding package from you her, get a- you can add like X amount of tin types. So she gets to do both, which she's playing mm-hmm. in the digital and analog space yeah. at the same time. And that's kind that of like what you're talking Kodak. about. That could In have its been own Kodak. capacity, right? right? Yeah. And they could have and still that... done what they loved if they were willing to be broad enough or open enough to explore what could sustain them to getting there. And that's where the the, the nicheization, these niche markets are really cool, these niche cultures, because if you can find enough people who are interested in that thing that you want to do, Maybe it doesn't live by itself, but maybe you can add it on. And maybe that's a once a week thing or a once a month gathering right. or it turns into some sort of someone brought outstanding in the field up to me the other day. Sure. Or it's like that's not a a restaurant type business model. But no, you can do model. one or two events a month yeah. to a certain audience that can afford it and wants that kind of thing and it works. And it went from local to global. Right. It's all it's similar similar idea across every board. And I think that's that's super cool, and that allows space for everything. But you do have to be, you know, willing to adapt and look at look at a bigger scope, which I think is a challenge for a lot of people. And it does it can feel sometimes, you know, if you got into this idea of especially coffee as it's been. I still hear people all the time who have been in this industry as similar time as us being very frustrated that their team doesn't like stir the espresso from bottom to top to deliver it because the flavor is the exact same way. And I'm like, you're getting to that level and I appreciate it. At the same time, like you're hung up so much on that that you're unable to scale. Well, that's kind of the heart at what I was getting at. Those sorts of like inherent coffee traditions to where, you know, like the nuances of, of like really niche coffee, third wave coffee culture the stir your espresso this way yeah 
versus how much of that is a tradition that is that needs to stay and how much of it is something that is always going to change i don't i know. mean for me i would just liken it that's it's a hard one in general but i would liken it to this like there's a reason that there's only a certain amount of three michelin stars and so on down the line there's only a certain amount of those places yeah and they're going to be doing things at the highest level progressively even down to one star like the highest levels possible right most people can't eat that all day, every day. Can't go to those places all the time. And so there's all this other level of food unless you're going to make it at home, in which case you get this mishmash. But there's levels of preparation and quality all the way up, right? Yeah. So I feel the same way about coffee. Like, do you, what, what is actually viable? And there's a reason that there's so few of these pinnacle places. There's only so much viable there. So that's where we have to decide. And you have to decide based on what you can sustain. So, you know, it's... To me, it's all amazing. I would love to eat at Atelier Kren and then go over to that other place and the other place in Manresa and go eat that food. Like, maybe it wouldn't be the most healthy, but I would love to go eat that two, three times a week. Fuck yeah. Am I going to? Maybe once a year tops, you know? I'm gonna also, wait street tacos are delicious. That's what I'm saying. Street tacos <laughs> are like one of my favorite foods in the world. I could eat them every day. Yeah. We're going to have to hold. Yeah. Still holding. Beep. Beep. Pause, sir. Pause. Are you getting this on camera? Stop. This is what happens to us. Welcome to the parking lot. Wise choice. But I think when you're asking what what traditions die or live on, it's like none of those traditions are even traditions. Everybody does it a little bit differently. And you see that. I thought it was cool when we were watching barista competitions and everyone would have super specific instructions on how to drink espresso. Yeah. So some people are like, stir it vigorously really mix it up like mash it up and some people are like okay take it swirl it smell it take one sip then stir it and this is the flavor progression you're gonna get there is there there's not a, a tradition standard if you go to you know vivace Jomer's the og and he's just like knock drink it, it as soon as i give it to you yeah knock it back it's all in right now don't even let it sit on the counter for more than five seconds or it's done so there there's no consensus on these things and yeah. i think Jared's pointing to something a little bit different than what you're asking is that we shouldn't refuse to see the forest for the trees who are, you know, these super nerdy coffee people who are just extremely focused on this one thing, whether it's the stirring of the espresso or serving it right away. That's important. Yes, but they're only looking at that and they're not looking at the bigger scope of their business to where it's like, oh, thank God he stirred his espresso and drank it right away. There's shit all over my condiment stand. Nobody said hi to the last three guests that walk in. The bathroom's a mess, and my people are grumpy. Right. You know, but I'm really nailing this espresso thing, and that's what matters because I, I'm doing my art, traditional espresso culture. Well, I mean, if that's what you want to yeah, do. Maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe you're telling your whole team that they're killing it. That's, that's just something. Which is part of the reason... We were shy about hiring coffee geeks in the beginning is because we had enough experience with people who were so into coffee that didn't care about anything else. They couldn't see the the bigger picture of the cafe. Well, and they saw us as barista competitors, so they assumed that's they what thought we, were, we were the that same was the way. most exactly. That exactly. was the most important thing to us. So they'd come in and talk about all the shit they knew and how they were gonna keep it dialed and how like, you know, one of my favorite things is when I was like customer came in they asked for the coffee and they want some cream and i was like we don't even have cream and i'm like 
They're saying that like they're bragging, and I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Well, it's good to meet you. Thanks for coming through. Yep, that's well, not gonna work for us. People like we'll cream. call you. We'll be following up. Never. We'll be following up. <laughs> uh, we're hiring three, and uh, we're gonna let you know either way. <laughs> I could let you know now, but we're gonna wait it out. Yeah, we're gonna wait it. We're out. gonna wait it out. You'll hear from my HR director. <laughs> You'll hear from my huge HR director. By the way, that's thanks. me and Chris. Thanks for applying. <laughs> yeah, thanks for applying. Chuck won't be calling. It's not for Chuck you. Chuck won't be calling. Chuck will not be calling. Well, guys, artistry, the work you do. Hey, everyone, that's the podcast for the week. Thanks so much for listening. If you heard something that inspired you, let us know or tell a friend. These are the types of connections that are the most important to us and that we seek to create every day. If there's something you heard and you want to know more about, send us an email to podcast at catandcloud.com or head to our website, catandcloud.com slash podcast and let us know. While you're on our site, check out everything we have to offer. Dive deep into one of our single origin coffees or pick up a little treat for yourself. We have something for everyone, so check it out. Also, find us in the usual places, YouTube, Instagram. We're always there sharing amazing things. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone, for being awesome. We'll be back next week.